Hello, and welcome to Practically Healthy by Dr. Molina. I am beyond thrilled with my guest today. I have known him for a long time, and he is one of the most brilliant people that I've ever come across in my nutrition career, which has been spanning a long time. So without further ado, Dr. Barry Sears, the author of The Zone Diet, which if you haven't heard of it, I don't know what, even Austin Powers mentioned it in his movie. So you've definitely, uh, he's got to be there. Uh, you've got to have heard of this one. But um, Dr. Barry Sears is a nutritional biochemist. He has written over a dozen books and um, really is so extraordinary when it comes to the science. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation today. And it's probably going to be broken up into two conversations because we have so much to say. Um, but without further ado, Dr. Barry Sears, welcome and to Practically Healthy. I'm so happy to have you here. Well, it's my honor being on your show. Yeah, it's great. One of my, my second guest ever. So this is very exciting. Um, so, you know, I think you know, for for the younger generation, those younger kids that don't necessarily uh, aren't as familiar with the Zone Diet, I think it's kind of cool to go back because when you and I first met for the TV show that I did in 2004, you know, we talked a little bit about how the zone, it didn't start out as a diet. So tell me a little bit about how you became the zone diet with 6 million copies sold worldwide. Well, you're right. It did not start out as a diet. It started out as really a medical technology to keep inflammation in a zone, not too high, but not too low. And what's the benefits if you do that? You live longer. Why do you live longer? Because it means your injuries in your body can heal at a faster rate. So it was really not a, quote, a diet, but it was a medical technology that used food as a powerful drug if used correctly. So you were way ahead of your time with on multiple different levels. I mean, food as medicine certainly is still a concept that I struggle to get across to doctors, but also the idea, the role of inflammation. And I think in the last 20 years, and even more so in the last 10, we're developing a greater understanding of that. So so when you, you did you even write it as a book? Or it was, I forgot, you told me it was like a medical paper or something. And then you were shocked when it became a best-selling book. Tell, tell us a little bit about that. Well, I was shocked and my, my editors were even more shocked. Uh, so actually the story of how the zone got started, the book, uh, my wife was doing uh, medical uh, diets for uh, patients. And, uh, and then she got a, I got a call one day from the editor of HarperCollins, who had basically been one of my wife's clients, and said, would you like to write a book? I said, well, I've never written a book before. So this is kind of like um, uh, Judy Garland and Mickey Rooney. Let's put on a show. <laughs> and so I, I said, uh, she said oh, just write, you know, whatever you want to. I said, fine. So I just wrote a book really as a my journey of where I started from of back in the early 80s to look at the fact, the role of inflammation on disease and say, what was the really the primary cause of it? Well, it turns out it was a diet. It's diet-induced inflammation. And if you could now basically reverse that, use diet to reduce inflammation, you may have the really the, you know, cut the Gordian knot of chronic disease. The fact that anybody ever bought the book was always surprising to me. 
And it's pretty dense. The science is, I remember when I was going to interview you right outside of Boston, right? That's, that's where you are. And I remember reading the book on the plane with my producer and, and making notes and, and highlighting things. And I'm like, my God, I can barely understand this. How does the average person understand this? But you really, the, the science part, you, you do try to simplify it, which I love that because for me, that's more practical. Um, so how did you, how did it, how has it evolved over the years? I can't believe, by the way, that 40 years ago, you were looking at inflammation and disease and, and diet. I mean, talk about being a pioneer. It, it's just extraordinary to me. But tell me a little bit about how the zone diet has evolved over the years, because you've, you know, you've been talking about icosanoid balance for a while, which I know, and we won't even go into that with the listeners. But um, you know, tell me a little bit about what you've done the past. Uh, when did the zone diet come out? That was 1995. Wow. Okay. So what's happened? What's happened since then? What you've been doing a lot of stuff, but it's it's pretty. It's the same but different, right? Well, it's a continuing evolution. A continuing evolution is saying yes. You want to keep inflammation in a zone, but that's only part. Only part of the healing process. There's three three parts. You have to reduce inflammation. Then you have to basically resolve inflammation, turn it off. And that's what the role of the omega-3 fatty acids. And then the final aspect, you have to repair the damage caused by the inflammation. And that was the role of the polyphenols. And so when you put them all together, there's no magic bullet, but there is a magical orchestration. And I call this pro-resolution. You're trying to basically resolve the damage. And allow the body to heal more effectively. And like I said, the end result is you live longer. Well, let's let's step back a little bit because you and I understand the kind of inflammation that you're talking about, but I think it's important for the listener to understand that we're not necessarily just talking about, you know, when you're bang your knee and it swells up and it's red, or if you get a viral infection and your lungs get inflamed, explain a little bit in simple terms what you're talking about and, and why this is an issue for really almost everybody on the planet. Well, you're quite right with those first two things you talked about, infectious disease and uh, injuries. They cause inflammation. And inflammation is not the evil one. Even inflammation keeps us alive. We have to become the first responders, but then we have to turn it off. But those two items are not the only things that can cause inflammation. A primary cause is your diet. Other causes are stressors. Intense exercise can cause inflammation. Emotional stress of taking drugs, especially cancer drugs. So there's many things that basically impinge on our life that cause inflammation, but we have in our body, deep, very deep in our genes, the ability to basically turn on inflammation and turn off. And we do it successfully, the body can repair itself. Uh, probably the best example is like I cut my hand. Initially, what happens? Pain, swelling, redness, inflammation. But if that resolution response is active in a few days, my hand has healed completely as if I've turned back the hands of time. So it's understanding how to turn back the hands of time was the other aspects which came to the, the evolution of understanding how our food affects every aspect of this resolution and repair. 
And I think one more thing, just in terms of causes of inflammation, you, you, you bring up some good ones, but I think, you know, one of the things that I try to stress to people, because, you know, people may say, oh, I have a healthy diet. I exercise regularly. I'm not on cancer medications. I don't have diabetes. I try to manage stress, but I think, you know, we live in a toxic world and we're constantly being exposed to environmental toxins. And it's very hard to completely avoid those. And also I think it's important to, you know, point out just in terms of oxidative stress that, as you said, like just even normal metabolism uh, can cause oxidative stress, which can potentially lead to inflammation. So, you know, what you're saying, I just want to make sure that people understand that this really applies to everybody. We all on some level need to manage inflammation better. And I love the the focus on, you know, the resolution and and you talk about that. So let's let's kind of dive into, you know, the three phases in terms of um, you said reducing diet-induced inflammation. Give us some practical tips on how we start with that. Well, actually, your grandmother gave you all the tips you needed. She said a couple of things. You can't leave the table until you eat all your vegetables. And she said a couple other things. You know, eat three square meals a day. And the last thing she said, you can't leave the house until you take your cod liver oil. She was giving you all the all the basics of how to basically go through life and allow that repair mechanism to work effectively. So let's now update that a little more from grandma's wisdom. My grandma uh, also taught me how to play poker too. So I'm not sure whether that counts, but anyway, go. It helps, it helps. <laughs> but, 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 but here's a, again, an easy aspect. We're bombarded by uh, new dietary things but, you know, eat for 14 minutes a day and they fast. So here's what you do, because all the rules are found in your hand, your eye, and your watch. Now, first of all, we need the hand. Or uh, because we say, first of all, we have to divide our plate into three equal sections. That's why you need the eye. On one third of the plate, you put some low-fat protein, no bigger or thicker than the palm of your hand. It doesn't have to be animal protein, you know, vegetable protein, but again, in terms of protein. So that could be a soy burger. It could be a piece of, you know, a grilled fish, but no bigger or larger. The other two thirds of the plate, you fill it full of colorful carbohydrates. They're colorful because they contain polyphenols. They're called fruits and vegetables. And then you add a dash of fat. What's a dash? Exactly that, a dash. Now, how do you know it's working? That's why you need the watch. If you're not hungry in the next five hours, that last meal was a hormonal winner. That's the good news. The bad news, those, those hormonal benefits only last five hours. You got to start the game again. Can I interrupt you for one second? Because I did the, I remember I did this experiment a while ago and you and I talked about it. I remember a lot. Um, you know, I think it's important to address into individual variability in this because I have, so I have two questions, you know, with the low fat protein, can you quantify that a little bit more for us? Because, you know, we're moving away from, and, and the zone diet isn't considered, I mean, 30% fat is, is not low fat. So I don't, I don't want any listeners to go back to the snack well generation and I know they won't, but also I can tell you that, I did exactly the breakfast that you recommended once with the slow cooked oats and the egg white. And 
I didn't make it five hours and I, I don't know if I'm just weak, <laughs> but I think it's important to address that individual variability and also define low fat protein a little bit more for us. Well, let's talk about individual variability. We're all genetically different. And so again, we talk about basically it's a balancing of protein to carbohydrate and you're using your watch to say, what's the right balance for you? So you keep adjusting that balance until basically you hit the five hour mark. Now, in terms of the um, of percent fat, remember that the key thing which everybody had overlooked for the last 40 years, the zone diet is a calorie restricted diet. So it's not percent calories, it's the absolute amount of grams and carbohydrates and fat you're consuming. The zone diet is really a low fat diet. It's about no more about 40 to 50 grams of fat per day. That's not very much. Mm-mm. And you say, but they say, but you're saying that that would be about 1,200 to 1,500 calories. Say, I'd starve to death. No, because what the idea of the zone diet was is to set up the hormonal balance that allows the body to use your own stored body fat to fuel the rest of the body. Now, from the standpoint, will be some point that you basically will use up all your fat reserves? Yes. How can you tell? You can see your abdominal muscles. Most Americans say, do they exist? Yes, they do. They're there. They're covered by a layer of fat. So uh, that's why I did my first testing of the zone diet on world-class athletes. They live in a world of inflammation by choice. And so the only difference between the the world-class athlete and the type 2 diabetic, the diet is basically the same. It's just the world-class athlete needs more protein and therefore more carbohydrate and a little more fat. But other than that, the diets are exactly the same. So it's really, don't talk about the percent of calories. It's basically the absolute amounts. And that's why. Right. But the absolute amount is relative to your total calories. So that's going to fluctuate a little bit. So, but. And and that's why there's, you know, there's every individuality. And the beauty of the zone is also basically uh, a function of your dietary philosophy. You can be a paleo advocate. You can be omnivore a lacto-ovo-vegetarian, or um, you can be a vegan. It doesn't matter. In fact, I wrote an entire book called The Soy Zone, written for vegans. Mm. So it's saying it gives that flexibility that you have to have going through life. No, I, I, I think that's wonderful. Okay, so for reducing inflammation in the diet, what are we doing? Step one is what in terms of reducing diet-induced inflammation? Well, the number one fact, uh, you're reducing the intake of calories. The more calories you take in, the more inflammation it causes. And so that's the number one aspect. But you can't be hungry and you can't be fatigued. But you also can't ignore the quality of those calories, right? I mean, quality and quantity are, are both essential in the control of inflammation. That's why I went back to what grandma said. Eat some low-fat protein, not very much but balance it with fruits and vegetables. And because why? Uh, one, it's hard to overconsume fruits and vegetables. And this is one of the ironies of the zone diet. It's almost impossible to eat all the food if you're following it directly, correctly, because you're eating a lot of vegetables, probably about eight servings per day. Uh, most, most Americans get eight servings per month. Uh, but So you're getting a lot of vegetables. And why? Because they help basically maintain satiety. If you aren't hungry, then cutting back in calories is easy. 
No, that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I, I do think it's, it's for me at least, um, but I, I can see my ab muscles. So I guess I'm in the small percentage of uh, Americans. Very, very small. I'll show you later offline. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. Um, you know, um, you know, it's also, I, I do, I, I'm going to push back a little bit just because I do think that, you know, caloric restriction is, is certainly one way of reducing inflammation, but I spend a lot of time, you know, talking about, um, other method. I mean, first of all, I think definitely, and I know you're going to agree with this, uh, reducing sugar and refined carbohydrates as much as possible is essential to the equation. So even if you're caloric restricted, I think processed red meat, um, and, and even, you know, excess red meat, high fat, and this probably goes into what you're saying, but I think we need to be clear about it. I think there's a lot of things, you know, in addition to or possibly in lieu of caloric restriction that can be effective in reducing inflammation, correct? Uh, well, the answer is calorics will be the number one, but you are correct. It has to be the right balance. You want to make the highest quality protein you can. Again, so lean meat, or if you're a, a lacto-vegetarian, egg whites are a great source of protein. You always want to make most of your carbohydrates coming from non-starchy vegetables and then add a little fruit on the side because of these are the, the keys that are important for gut health. Now, when we talk about ultra-processed foods, the two things which are taken out of ultra-processed foods are fiber, fermentable fiber, and polyphenols. And that leads to another cause of inflammation, basically what is commonly called a leaky gut. Medically, it's called metabolic endotoxemia. So if you don't have a, a healthy gut, you're going to be basically in, up, the, up the creek without a pedal. Yeah, I saw that. I love that, that I, I, you know, that you talk about the future of medicine and some of Hippocrates quotes. And I didn't realize that he also, in addition to say, saying, let food be thy medicine, that he said, uh, all disease begins in the gut. I, I thought that was, I didn't realize he, he said that as well, man, he was even more ahead of his time than you, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we go back and look at, you know, uh, the quote, the ancient wisdom, and we can update it and put it in alignment with the knowledge we have of what's going on in the body through the diet. Drugs are actually uh, like little Lego toys. You know, basically they're play things. The complexity of metabolism uh, is so uh, great. We say, well, it's, I can't do anything about it. Yes, you can, because that's the key. If you want to live longer, you've got to control your metabolism. And it's like comparing, of uh, you know, trying to drive uh, or fly a jet aircraft to throwing a wooden glider. Right. The metabolism and the diet are incredibly powerful. I think just to step back again, because I know you and I understand this, but I want to make sure our listeners do too, is when we're talking about metabolism, we're not just talking about how many calories you burn in a day. It's much more complex than that. It's how you burn your, it's every chemical reaction that takes place in your body throughout the day. And that's why it's so complex, but it also is under your control. Cause a lot of people just say, oh, I have a slow metabolism genetically. And they're, they're not understanding what you and I are talking about in terms of metabolism and, and chemical reactions in the body, which include those that may lead to or reduce inflammation, right? Yes, but let's make it even simpler. Metabolism keeps you alive. I say, okay, I want, I want to stay alive. Then you want to basically ramp up your metabolism because metabolism is also how we repair cells. Each day, we are losing really billions of cells. They have to be repaired. And so our metabolism, 
that allows that repair process to take place. So is that part of, so that is that phase two, Let, let's, let's move on. So the, the resolution. So, um, but I do want to come back to eggs a little bit later, um, just because I think the whole choline debate, I don't know, maybe we should just talk about it now real quick before we move on, because, you know, I mean, eggs got a bad rap, um, you know, in, in the eighties and nineties in terms of the association between cholesterol and, uh, you know, dietary cholesterol and serum cholesterol. But I think, to some extent, at least what I'm seeing in my nutrition practice, you know, we may have thrown the baby out with the bathwater a little bit and that a little bit of egg yolk for the choline um, may be beneficial. So I personally, and maybe I'm wrong, so correct me, I tell most of my patients that, you know, they can have one whole egg and then three whites to get their protein up. How would you respond to that? Well, I'd go a little, uh, you want about 30 grams of protein at a meal. So I'd say one whole egg and seven egg whites. Perfect. So you're, you're on. So again, it's that balance. You're looking to basically, we need some, but not too much, but, and it gives them basically guidelines. Right. No, I love that. I think that's good. Okay. So we we're reducing the inflammation, um, minimali- minimizing highly processed food, caloric restriction first, minimizing, or, or let's just say eliminating ultra processed foods, because honestly, they're the worst. Let's get them out. Let's get them out. Everything else we can live with, but not ultra processed foods. So then resolving inflammation. Let's talk about that. The second phase of the um, resolution zone. This is putting out the fire. <clears throat> we, we can recognize inflammation when it hurts, but most of the inflammation that basically will eventually kill us is below the perception of pain. You can't feel it. So, so I guess I'm okay. You're not. And that's why the omega-3 fatty acids are so important. But why was only discovered in the 21st century. They make a new group of hormones are called resolvents that turn off inflammation, but you need adequate levels. Now, let's go back to your grandma. Uh, when she, uh, she gave uh, her kids a tablespoon of cod liver oil every day, they could not leave the house. Now, a tablespoon of cod liver oil contained two and a half grams of omega-3 fatty acids. Today, the average American consumes 100 milligrams. That's more than 95% reduction. And that means we're basically have reduced the the key dietary components we need to make these hormones that turn off inflammation. Uh, Cod liver also is a source of vitamin D, correct? Does that have any role in in why grandma was so smart? Uh, Actually, she was, uh, it was thought at the time, the vitamin D would be help prevent rickets. Mm -hmm. Now, all the benefits of vitamin D really came from the omega-3 fatty acids. But, you know, what the heck? Do do what you got to do. So vitamin D has a role to play, but never let the tail wag the dog. Uh, (laughs) The fact is, you know, the the omega-3 fatty acids are critically important if you want to turn off inflammation. Let me give you an example. Uh, Have you heard of a disease called COVID-19? I think so. It's been been on my radar a little bit, you know, just in the background when the TV is on. (laughs) And, And what causes all the problems? A cytokine storm. So what do omega-3 fatty acids do? If you take enough, they turn off the cytokine storm. So let's talk about omega-3 fatty acids, because that's been really, you know, something that you've been passionate about since I've known you. And um, can where what are dietary sources and, and really why is it 
Why do we need supplementation? Because I agree with you. I take an omega-3 fatty acid supplement every day. Um, but but tell us a little bit because, you know, I'm, I generally take a food-first approach to most of these things. But in this particular case, I am in 100% agreement. So help us understand that a little bit more. Well, let's go back to the, the amount of omega-3 fatty acids Americans are actually taking today. It's pathetically low. So... Uh, <clears throat> That's a role for supplementation. Can you get enough? Of course you can. And there one, excuse me, is one population who does it all the time. They're called the Japanese. The Japanese are the biggest consumers of oily fish in the world. More than the Eskimos? More than Eskimos. Mm, okay. And uh, oily fish because they consume things we would not, things like sea vegetables and uh, algae and things of this sort. Uh, this explains a lot of things that the, even though the LDL levels of a bad cholesterol for uh, the Japanese are the same and they smoke like chimneys, <laughs> their rates of heart disease are 10 times lower than Americans because their intake of omega-3 fatty acids basically turns off the inflammation. So there's a need for it. And now, but that only came about through discoveries from Harvard Medical School of how important that these omega-3 fatty acids are in adequate levels. I'll emphasize the word adequate. Uh, what's adequate? The blood will tell you. That's the beauty of the zone. It's all testable. The blood will tell you how to keep adjusting your diet until each of the three components are in their appropriate ranges. And that basically, that's being in the zone. Well, let me, wait, Go can on. I stop you? Because so, you know, the average person isn't going to have access to a doctor that's progressive enough to be doing all this testing. And, and, and I do think your targets a little bit on the uh, triglyceride to HDL ratio are aggressive. Um, but, but so let, let's just make it, let's make it practical. I mean, let, you know, with, let's assume that somebody really isn't going to be able to get the testing to fine tune uh, there, what, what can they do and why in your opinion is eating, you know, six ounces of salmon every single day, not the way to do it. Cause that's one of the best dietary sources. Although sardines and herring are also good stores, sources, which grandma probably ate more sardines, right? Well, uh, she probably took more cod liver oil, yep. uh, okay. but yes, you're right. Uh, you can do that, but it, you know, people get bored. And, uh, so that, uh, but going back to grandma, again, just go back to the same amount that grandma gave uh, your parents, the two and a half grams. So when you have a bottle of omega-3 fatty acids, look at the bottle, say, how many capsules do I have to take to get two and a half grams of omega-3 fatty acids today? And I think because it's important when they're looking at the bottle, sorry to interrupt, but um, it can't just be the total at the top, they have to look at the EPA plus DHA because that's where a lot of people get fooled. And I know, you know, you have a line of supplements that's ultra pure. So the dosing is easier to calculate. But I think it's very important if they're not buying, you know, your product that they understand that they have to add the EPA plus DHA. The answer, and that's quite correct. But now let's go back to what you talked about toxins. Here's a little ugly problem of eating fish. Uh, there is no fish in the world today that's not contaminated. Contaminated with toxins, especially polychlorinated biphenols. These are known are carcinogens. They're known endocrine disruptors. They're known to be neural toxins. And they also make you fat, other than that. Is uh, that it? So, <laughs> the, the fat, sick, and dead. That's yeah. great, great, good combination. So, 
So the real challenge is basically getting rid of these. This was not a problem three or four generations ago. Today, it's a problem whether we eat fish or take fish oil supplements. So you want to basically take, get these, don't let the toxins get in the body because they're like the roach motel. Once they get in, they don't check out. Okay, so let's, we, we have a few more minutes till we're going to wrap up this first episode because um, I have like 100 more questions for you. So we're going we're gonna to split this into two, but let's talk a little bit about repairing the damaged tissue, the final step in the resolution zone. This comes down to basically the key acts. This is how injuries heal. And now we have to need the polyphenols. These are the colorful compounds you find in fruits and vegetables. That's why you're supposed to eat them. If it's something that's white, it has no polyphenols. The polyphenols basically turn on the master switch that actually causes the repair of damaged tissue. It also causes, controls our immune system. So you have to have adequate levels of those in the diet. What's a good uh, rule, rule of thumb? How about about 10 servings per day of fruits and vegetables? Sounds like mission impossible for most people. So this is why you might have to go again for supplementation to get adequate levels to repair the damage. Now, if you put all these three together, you reduce, resolve, and repair, guess what happens? Basically, injuries heal faster. The faster they heal, the longer you live. No, I love this. And I love, you know, I, I'm a big believer. I've, I, you know, was obsessed with polyphenols early on, uh, like you. And I, But I want to add, you know, one thing, because I've written two books on it, too. I think people forget that herbs and spices are incredible sources of polyphenols. So if you can add those to your eight to 10 servings of fruits and vegetables every day, you're going to amplify the health benefits of all those polyphenol rich foods. So I know we talked about it offline a little bit. You're a big fan of herbs and spices as well. Oh, that's why I, 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 on my typical meal, I'll put everything McCormick cells on top of the food. Why? I'm not going to take any chances. So <laughs> yes, because uh, herbs and spices are very rich sources of polyphenols. So that uh, no one's going to eat basically uh, 100 grams of tarragon. But, uh, but the fact is they're about five to 10 times richer in polyphenols than our fruits and vegetables. Wow, that's amazing. And we're going to, I'm going to save this for the next topic. Uh, the next, it was a, we'll, we'll do a little teaser for the next one. Um, we're going to talk about red wine because I know you and I may disagree a little bit on that, but also, you know, green tea. There's all sorts of things that we can do, these wonderful things. I was just sipping a cup of green tea, you know, uh, during this episode. So, you know, tell us uh, where we can learn more about what you're doing. And I know you do have an incredible line of, of supplements that have been really robustly researched and even food. So where can our listeners learn more about that? Well, in terms of the science, uh, I have my website, Zone Diet, uh, actually, uh, drsears.com. And then uh, the, the products we sell are found on zoneliving.com. But it's not a product. It's basically a system. You're trying to build a system all around the food you eat. And I think that's great for our listeners because that can be a more practical way of getting into the zone because it... it I know you don't think it's complicated, but for the average person, it, it, it can be. I know you, I love how you try to make it simple with the protein, the palm of your hand and that sort of thing. But I think as a busy mom of two that's running out the door every morning, just 
trying to get my kids, uh, you know, it, it is more complicated. So I love the fact that you have a system. I think that's a really great way of, of getting people started and, you know, getting their sea legs going. So I want you to stay right here. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about I love diet fallacies, which is a great topic. Some zone, because you and I feel the same way about keto. So I want to talk about that in the next episode. And also kind of the future of medicine. I think that's a really cool topic. So I'm going to have you stay right here. I want to thank all of you for listening to this episode with Dr. Sears. And we're going to be back with a second episode. Uh, Tune into that one as well because there's even more great stuff. I hope you've enjoyed this one. Again, it's Practically Healthy by Dr. Molina with Dr. Barry Sears, author of The Zone Diet, and you can find more about him at drsears.com. That's D-R-Sears, S-E-A-R-S.com, or go to his website, zoneliving.com, for his wonderful system at resolving and uh, inflammation. So come back and see us for the next episode. You're not going to want to miss it. Wow.